Lamentations chapter number 3. We'll begin reading in verses number 22. If you're able, stand with me as we read God's word. Lamentations chapter number 3, beginning with verses number 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Boy, that's a verse we just ought to kind of ponder on and think about and take that in. You know, the holiness of God. He's so holy that we would be consumed without the blood of Jesus Christ. We would be consumed before him. But it doesn't stop there. Uh, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Those compassions, according to verse number 23, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The lamentation here says, And the Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. That's where our hope's at. Not in Washington, not in politicians, not in school, family. Our hope is in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. What do we need to do? If we want God to be good to us, wait for him. To that soul that seeketh him. So we need to wait for the Lord. We need to seek the Lord in our hope needs to be in him. I want to talk about a few of these things tonight. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that you've allowed us to come and gather together around your word. And Lord, uh, we're very special people to have the word of God. And we thank you for it. We ask you to bless us tonight with your presence. Thank you for what you've done today and what you're going to do even in advance. I pray you'd speak to our hearts. Use me somehow for the honor and glory. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It seems like every day we wake up, there's something crazier that has taken place than the day before. Don't we live in wacky times? I'll tell you what, I I just, I guess nothing amazes me anymore. A few months ago, I uh, woke up and uh, read some of the headlines, and one of the headlines was a picture of Amazon's new home office. Has anybody ever seen Amazon's new home office, what they're going to build? Nobody has seen that yet? It's going to cost about $350 million, and uh, it's going to be, uh, I believe, 350 feet tall. When I saw the picture, it drew my mind back to the sketches of the Tower of Babel. I mean, it looked just like the Tower of Babel. You know, before, when they did wicked things, they would do it under the cover of darkness when nobody was around, but not anymore. Everything is going on right before our eyes. Elon Musk he uh, implanted a chip into a monkey's brain. Don't know if you've heard about that, but I read about that about two months ago as well. And with this computer chip, no wires to the monkey or anything, it can just think and play a video game. Isn't that absolutely amazing? I think they're playing with things that a man ought not to play with. But this is the things we see going on in the day and age in which we live. Uh, Russia, man, just ready to... Move into Ukraine, has all those troops massed. You go over on the other side of the world, China, boy, they want to take uh, Taiwan back. They fly over Taiwan, from what I understand, nearly every day. And they have uh, several flights and making plans on maybe an invasion of Taiwan. These are what we see in the day and age in which we live. And this week, wow, Israel. I mean, seeing, I don't know how many, the count of the rockets is at this point, but Hundreds or possibly in the thousands of rockets come out of Gaza 
hitting Israel's cities and people and killing some. And then uh, amazing to see the great strategy of Israel when they uh, said they were going to invade and put it on the news media. See, you can always trust the news media. So they went ahead and used the news media to say they were going to uh, invade Gaza. They never invaded at all. They sent several, I think, 160 planes overhead dropping bunker bomb, bunker buster bombs because uh, the Palestinians there have a network of underground tunnels to attack Israel. What their plan was is we're going to let Israel come in and all their forces will come out of our out of our uh, uh, tunnels and we'll attack them. Well, all that kind of failed. And uh, love to see God and and his people and how God protects Israel. I kind of feel sorry for those around, that 1.2 billion Muslims who's going to be attacking because uh, you can't win against God. They will lose the fight. They always have and they always will. But these are the things we're seeing and it, it's pretty amazing. Elon Musk putting up his uh, Starlink. Starlink is a new internet system that he wants to go worldwide. He claims he has 500,000 users already. And with this uh, uh, Starlink, he puts satellites all around the globe. And his goal is by 2027 to have 42,000 satellites to provide high-speed internet to every person on the planet, whether you're in the Amazons or you're in the outer islands of Micronesia, it just doesn't matter. Now, they got some kinks in the plan. Sometimes the trees give a problem, but they'll work out some of those kinks. I just wonder, why is it that he is so hyped up about getting satellite service, internet service to the entire world? Why is that so important? Uh, every uh, Falcon 9 res- uh, rocket that he sends up, and I think one's going out in just a few days, about 60 of those satellites go on every launch, and they're set into orbit and put into place. In uh, November the 26, 2020, the article was uh, about Israel, inside Israel. It said, we won't force vaccine, but here's what we'll do. Now, Israel's kind of led the world on the vaccination for COVID-19. And uh, at the time that I looked it up, 50% of Israeli adults had both of the shots for COVID-19. 60% had one of the shots. So the, the world's kind of watching. And whatever Israel does, I think, concerning COVID, that the world is going to kind of follow them. And uh, now I don't know how many's had it, but I'm sure a greater percentage than what we see there. But... Uh, Inside this article, it uses the words like maneuver and motivate. And this is what it said in the article. The government of Israel won't force you to take the vaccine, but Amazon will, the airlines will, the banks will. You won't be able to buy, sell, or trade without the vaccine. Now, if you've taken the vaccine, fine, take the vaccine. If you want to take the vaccine, take the vaccine. I'm not for or against the vaccine, okay? Uh, you do what the Lord would have you to do. If you're elderly and you have a uh, compromised immune system, it's something you want to think about, really, because that thing could be deadly for you. But for most people, like myself, I got COVID the first part of April, and it was pretty much like having a flu bug. That was about it was for me. Other people, they get it worse than what we did, but it wasn't much more than getting a flu bug. Now we have the antibodies, both my wife and I, and we hope it'll help us to get back into Micronesia 
I'd rather not take the, the shot, but if it's the only way we can get back into the islands, we'll take the shot as well. But we're really not interested in that. But it's just amazing how much pressure is going on. The government of Israel said, we can't force you, but we're going to do everything we can to get you to take it. They have what they call a green status. And that to receive a green status means that you'll be able to go back to all the cultural events that you were able to do back in 2019. You go back to shopping malls. I think four times Israel is shut down. It really has affected their people. Hotels, restaurants, all that down. But if uh, you want to get back up, that was their plan back in November. Uh, the article I have here is from... February the 18th, 2021, the New York Times. Now listen to the title of this article. As Israel reopens, whoever does not get the vaccine will be left behind. Isn't that an amazing choice of words that they used in that? I'll read it again. As Israel reopens, whoever does not get the vaccine will be left behind. Uh, That green badge system is kind of like a carrot on a stick. They're luring the people in to do exactly what they want them to do. Uh, February the 21st, two weeks later, restaurants, event halls, uh, conferences would all be opened up if the person had this green card status. Now, how you'd get that green card status is it would be a QR code system. You've been into Walmart or Sam's Club and they have a little square computer symbol on there. You take a picture of that and it takes you to the website or what it is. That's a QR code. And they say that they will give that out. And uh, when you move around and you want to do things in Israel, where's your QR code? Let us see your QR code. It's kind of like what the Nazis did back in Germany when they asked, where are your papers? You remember that? Boy, for the Jews, where are your papers? Want to know who you are, what you're doing. Now they call it a QR code. Uh, it's amazing to see all this take place. Recently, Rutgers University said, if our students want to come back to school this fall, they will have to have the vaccine. They will not be allowed back in without it. The state of New York is also following similar uh, situations where they want everybody to have this vaccine. As we did a lot of work at Cleveland Clinic as far as getting hospital help, uh, we noticed talking to the employees that they are required. They have to have the COVID shot. It's not an option. Simply, if you want to work at Cleveland Clinic, you got to have this thing. There was another uh, hospitalization program that the man uh, screenshotted the text he got from his employer. And it says this, we are taking all necessary precautions as we look forward to getting back to normal. All employees will be mandated to offer proof of receipt of an FDA-approved vaccine within 45 days. Employees who do not fulfill this requirement will be placed on unpaid leave of absence and their status will be evaluated by the human resources to determine if their employment will continue. So we're seeing things happening and, and you know, you say, Brother Dave, do you think uh, the COVID shot is the, the mark of the beast? No, I don't, I don't think it's that. But I still think it's leading up to it. It's, it's doing things. I noticed uh, after my wife had her surgery, I had surgery on my foot and on my knee. And every time I went to see the doctor, they would say, let me see your forehead. And I had to lean over and they would take their temperature gun and they would see what my temperature was. 
So every time I got in, you know what I started to do without them even asking? Just leaning my head over forward. Go ahead and take my temperature. And then the last few times I went, they said, let me have your right hand. And so I gave my right hand and then they turn it over and they take my temperature on my wrist. I thought that was very peculiar. My forehead and my wrist. Go over to the book of Revelation chapter 13. You know where I'm going with this. Revelation chapter number 13. Revelation chapter number 13, I'll begin reading in verses number 15. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. Do you know the King James Bible is the only Bible that says in? You know, years growing up, I always thought this mark would be on the outside of your hand or the outside of your forehead. But the King James Bible is very clear. It's inside. And I think with the technology we have today, it is no doubt it's going to be an implant of some kind. And they'll be able to scan your forehead or your right hand. That no man may buy or sell, save he have the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that understandeth count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And his number is six hundred, three score, and six. So, I don't know what year it was, somewhere around 85 or so, I took my wife to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And when we were there... We would go into those little shops. You ever been to Gatlinburg and see other shops? It's like you go to one shop and they all have the same stuff. Uh, by the time you've been to three or four shops, you've seen everything in Gatlinburg. So we're doing that thing, you know, and we're looking into some of these stores. But one of the stores was a hologram store. And I said, Sandy, what, what is this? I've heard of a hologram. I've never seen a hologram. Let's go into this store. So we go into this store. Remind you, this is back in 1985, somewhere in that area. And there was a, a woman... And it was just little dots from lights that made the form of her head. And man, her lips would move and, and this thing was speaking. I mean, I walked all the way around it. It was three-dimensional. I was fascinated and I said, you know what, Sandy? I believe someday, because the Antichrist, Satan, and the beast, they're not omnipresent like Jesus. They can't be everywhere at the same time. So as they want, the beast once worshipped in, in uh, Jerusalem at the temple, what about the people who are halfway around the world? Obviously, they can't go there and worship him. And that's why the Bible says it's an image of the beast. And I said, you watch. They'll have this hologram of the beast pop up in every home one day or on their TV set. And everybody will worship the beast right in their own home. Well, with 5G technology... They're able to take that hologram and make it fresh and anew. And I'm telling you what, you would not even know I was a, I was a hologram with the technology they have today until you reached up and put your hand through me and said, man, he's not even there. So why is uh, uh, Elon Musk so uh, into getting the, the uh, uh, Internet worldwide? I don't think he knows, but I think Satan is going to need that. And that this could be a possible explanation of how the beast gets worshipped in every place all around the world at the same time. Uh, these things are taking place. And as uh, I saw COVID hit, 
And in the day and age in which we live, for some, COVID gave them an excuse to quit serving God. And that's pretty sad. You know, I, I think if you are got health issues, you got to be real careful. I'm not against that at all. But to use it as an excuse, there's something wrong with that. We're living in a day and age where Christians ought to be more faithful because of the time and age in which we live than we ever have been before. Listen, I don't know what the future is going to hold. We've had it really good in America. If you think America's bad, come to another country and see what they do and what it's like. You'll be coming, running back to America in a heartbeat. It's a great nation. It's been blessed by God. Now, we've got a lot of problems, and it's getting worse, and things are going the wrong direction. But if there was ever a time for you and I to be faithful, now is the time. Now, God doesn't ask us to do something he doesn't equip us to do. Being faithful, that's our God. I don't care how you look at Jesus Christ. I don't care how you look at the Father. I don't care how you look at the Holy Spirit of God. When you say the word faithful, they are absolutely 100% of the time faithful. They're there every time we have a need. You know, twice in the scriptures, the Bible said God is faithful, those exact words. But 31 times, it references the faithfulness of God. What does that mean? It means he's secure, that he's stable, and that he's one that we can count on. Now, if you remember, the book of Lamentation was written when Israel was in captivity. I mean, they're in captivity because of their sin. And if there was a time that God could turn his back on them and have nothing to do with them, it was then. But the Bible says, great is thy faithfulness. Even in captivity, God remained faithful. In our life, every one of us are going to be tempted. You know, temptations... They are coming from the world, they come from the flesh, and they come from the devil. And they all want us to back away from God and not trust in God. That's the whole purpose of temptations in our lives, to pull us away from God. Now, God does bring trials in our life. He wants to make us a finer vessel. He knows exactly what he needs to do in each one of our lives to make us better. So don't get mad at God. Don't get upset at God. Just trust God and be faithful even when things are difficult and you don't understand. But when we are tempted, I want you to know that God will be faithful. He will be right there. He will be our security and our stability every step of the way. We will need forgiveness. Yes, we all mess up. We all sin. We all fall short. And we're going to need forgiveness And you know what? God will always be faithful when we need forgiveness. And I thank God for his faithfulness. He promises us in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5 that he will never leave us nor forsake us. God's faithful, praise the Lord, isn't dependent upon our actions. If we mess up, God's still going to be faithful. And we mess up, don't we? God was faithful to Israel and he will be faithful to you every day, all the days of your life. But when we see faithfulness, when we think of that word, God has set the mark for faithfulness. I loved it when Paul said, I press towards the mark of the high calling of God. And you know that that high calling we find in Jesus Christ. Wow. The Father, absolutely faithful, but so is the Son. He's faithful. 
And if we are going to be faithful, doesn't that require us to have faith to be faithful? You see, we don't have the ability inside of ourselves to be faithful to God like we ought to. But Jesus Christ does. And we need faith in him to be able to be faithful to God as we ought to be. Think about Jesus Christ. Take a look in your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 3 and verse 17. Here we find the baptism of Jesus Christ. As Jesus is being baptized, notice what happens from heaven. John chapter number 3 and verse 17. Sorry, Matthew. Did I say John? My my apologies. Matthew chapter number 3. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus, God the Father said he was well pleased with Jesus. Take a look at during his life at Matthew chapter 12 and verse 18. Matthew 12 and verse number 18. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. Look at when Jesus Christ was transfigured in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 5. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 5. We have Moses, we have Elias, and we have Jesus here. And the heavenly Father speaks from heaven. And in verse number 5, he says, While he yet beheld, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my... Beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased, hear ye him. Now, according to Hebrews chapter number 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we can't always see faith. We can't always uh, be able to touch it, but we believe it anyways. I breathe in oxygen. It's real. I mean, it's making a difference in my body. I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He changed my life. You, you can't see all the things that happened, but it was by faith that those things took place. But in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So how do we expect to be faithful to God if we don't have faith in God? If it doesn't please God, it's not going to happen. Now, let's take that the other way. If having no faith... Is, is not pleasing to God, then what does it mean when we do have faith? I believe it pleases God. I believe it puts a smile on his face. And not only does it please God, but then it can be well-pleasing like it was for his son. Every time that God mentioned that in the Bible about Jesus, he was well-pleased. So if we have our faith in the right person of Christ, he will give us the ability to be faithful to God. In all the times that we need to be faithful. We need that faith. We need that faith. In Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9. The Bible records. Know therefore that the Lord thy God. He is God the faithful God. Which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him. And keep his commandments to a thousand generations. You can do the math. And you can go back to the time of Deuteronomy And that's not a thousand generations has not taken place. That same God who was faithful in Deuteronomy is still faithful today. There is no change. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9, God is faithful. 
by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, you and I, we are limited on what we have and what we can do. Man, Jesus, he can just think and be wherever he wants to be. But you and I need a vehicle of some sort or our legs to get where we want to be. Not the Lord. We don't have the knowledge. We don't have the power of Jesus Christ. But He, God, is our security. He is our stability. Man, our lives can get out of hand pretty quick, can't they? I mean, you make a bad decision, boy, things can get awful in a hurry. Boy, you go by that state trooper at 75 miles an hour, lights come on, you realize, "Uh oh, I just did something I shouldn't have done. This happens, and we need to be careful of these things. Take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul talks about some temptations that is going to often come into our lives. If we know something is going to happen, should we prepare for it? I think if you were wise, we would prepare. And this is one of the things in our life, temptations are going to come. We just need to prepare for it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse 13. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Paul talks and breaks this verse down into three parts. First... Temptations are common to man. Sometimes we think we live on a little island out in the Pacific. Yeah, I live there. (laughs) But I'm not all by myself. But sometimes we feel like that in life, don't we? We're going through a temptation in our life. Nobody can understand what I'm going through. This one's a big one. Nobody's been through anything like this. You know what Paul reassures us by the word of God? Is yes, the, the temptation you're going through, somebody else has already been through it. In fact, not only have they been in that temptation, but they have successfully went through it and honored God in it. So yes, you and I can and will go through these temptations, but when we think that it's individual and and it only nobody else could understand, that's a lie from the devil. The Bible says there has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. All these temptations, we know, comes from the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. If we know where the temptations are coming from, should we not fortify our bodies? Should we not fortify our minds so that we can defeat these temptations in our life? The smartest thing you can do is that very thing. If you know that you live in a bad neighborhood, should you not fortify your door? Should you not fortify your windows and prepare them for someone to break in? Listen, temptations are common. They're coming. They're coming to you. You may be going through one right now. If you're not, there's one knocking on your door tomorrow or next week. I promise you, they're common to man. So if we know that, We can prepare for that. Listen, Satan has had 6,000 years to study human nature. He knows you better than you know you. Every weakness you have, I promise you, he knows about it. And where is he going to attack? 
at your weakness. He does every time. 1 John 2, 16, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the three great lures that Satan will always use in your life. You know, he found them pretty effective with Eve. You remember, he tempted Eve, and she fell for the temptation. He also would use the same things when it came to the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, you'll find he doesn't have to change his tricks. He'll just use the same thing because they're very effective. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. If something works, you don't change it, right? But the Bible tells us we need to be know about the wiles of the devil. We need to not be ignorant of his, Satan's, devices. And as he uses the world, the flesh, and evil spirits to attack us, listen, everybody else has that same temptation. We can go all the way back to Adam and Eve. They've been tempted the same way. But many have successfully not fell. So the first thing I want you to know is the temptation is common to all. Secondly, temptation is controlled by God. The Bible goes on in that verse and says, But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. You know who knows you better than even Satan knows you? God, your creator, knows every detail about your life. Every hair on your head. And it's getting easier and easier for him in my life. Because I have less and less hairs than what I used to. He knows every detail about our lives. And when it came to Job and the temptations on Job, Satan came and said, if you'll just take your hedge away from Job, I'll get him to curse your name. And God says, you can do so much, but you can't go past this line. You can't go past that. I want you to know that God controls the temptations in your life. He may allow Satan to tempt you. Your own lust may tempt you, but he draws a line. He said, I'm only going to go so far. I know exactly how much you can handle, and right there, I'm going to stop that temptation. Listen, God knew his man, and Job ended up not cursing God. In fact, everything he lost, he got back double because he remained faithful during his temptation. You know, we don't always see and we don't always understand what's going on in our life. It's because of our advantage point. I can't see anything outside of this room. I can't see anything outside of this room. But there's a whole world out there. You know what? God at all times can see everything. He knows what's going on. One day, maybe we'll be able to see through his eyes and finally understand why we had those temptations allowed in our lives. We just need right now to live by faith. Right now, we need to be faithful to him even when we don't understand what's going on around us. And listen, there's a lot of things going on in America that I do not understand anymore. What do we need to be? Faithful to God. No matter what's going on, no matter how crazy it gets, let's just remain and be faithful to God. When Eve faced Fallen Lucifer, it seems like he had all the advantages. I mean, she is a young woman, fully innocent, did not know any of the evils of Satan, unknown to sin, didn't know about his tricks, 
didn't know anything about wickedness or the evil one. If you would, she was just innocent. But then on the other hand, you have Satan, fallen Lucifer. Boy, he was the highest of all created. He was more powerful, smarter, better looking. Every, every advantage you would think Satan had over Eve. And no wonder she fell to his temptation. But did he really have all the advantages? Did he really? I don't think he had all the advantages. I think Eve had one advantage that Satan knew of and fully attacked. And the one advantage that Satan, that Eve had over Satan was, thus saith the Lord God. Man, if she would have held her ground and when looked at that tree, it's good to eat of. Man, it's delicious to the eye. I mean, it's, it's all wonderful. Yea, God said, don't do it. Don't eat of it. If she would have just said, thus saith the Lord God, no, I will not partake of that fruit. She would have defeated Satan in his trickery. But Satan knew that that was his, her weapon. That was what, what would give her victory in this battle. So what did he do? He attacks her weapon. Did God really say that? Did God really mean if you eat of that fruit, you would surely die? What did he do? He questioned the authority of God. Put a doubt in Eve's mind. And that's all it took. Listen, Eve could have defeated Satan that day, but she did not. Because she didn't trust in the Lord. She looked with her eye and lusted. When we have a temptation, we need to be looking for the way of escape. We need to be holding fast in faith and obedience to the word of God. Because there is a way of escape. The third part of that says, but will with the temptation also made a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. You see, no matter what Satan throws at us, we have a more powerful God on our side. Thus saith the Lord God still works. You see, Jesus proved that when Satan came to him and three times offered him the things of the world. But Jesus said, God had said, God had said, God had said. And Jesus would not fail to what Satan wanted. So his attacks are the same, whether to Eve or to Jesus or to you and I. His attacks are the same. And from Scripture, we know that we have the world, the flesh, and the devil as our enemies. But I want you to know, they all have oppositions. When we think about the uh, the world, we think that the world is uh, opposed by God the Father. When we think about the flesh, it is opposed by the Holy Spirit. When we think about the devil, he is opposed by Jesus Christ. So we're not in this temptation alone. We have the triune God right there at our disposal to help us win this temptation in our life. The flesh is opposed by the Holy Spirit. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3, God said in the days of Noah, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. The Lord said to Nicodemus in John 3 and verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Paul wrote in Galatians 5 and verse 16, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh 
For the lust, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another. Yes, we have the flesh as our enemy, but I'm telling you what, if you're a born-again Christian, you have the Holy Spirit of God inside of you, and He can overcome the flesh. You just have to make the right decision. The world is opposed by the Father. They're against each other. In 1 John 2 and verse 15, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Jesus describing his incarnation and ascension. I came forth from my Father and I am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Listen, anything this world has to tempt you with, our Heavenly Father is greater. And He has made a way for you to escape whatever temptation that is set before you. The Father, think about it. He's on your side. And He's made a way for you to escape. We've got to open our eyes when things are going wrong in our life. When we're being tempted by our flesh or by the world or by the devil. We've got to open our eyes because God has made a way for us to escape. And then we have the Son, Jesus Christ. Wow. Why do you think He came into the world? Because he's in opposition to the devil. The Bible says in Hebrews 2.14 that Jesus came to destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. And also to destroy the works of the devil in 1 John 3 in verse 8. Yes, we have great enemies. They're powerful. We are no match for them on our own. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And no matter what the temptation is, whether it's coming from your flesh and the lust of it, whether it's coming in from the world, or whether it's coming from the devil, we have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of God in our corner. And they have given us a way of escape. So every temptation, there is a moment when we have to make a decision which way it's going to go. Listen, am I going to stick with thus saith the Lord God? If you stick with thus saith the Lord God, you're going to win that temptation. You're not going to fail in it. But boy, when we look at our flesh, well, I haven't been reading my Bible lately. My prayer life isn't what it ought to be. We become quite weak and our faith is not what it ought to be. Therefore, we won't remain faithful to God. And we listen to our flesh, which is actually our enemy. And we just... Discour or we don't discourage, but we disappoint our Heavenly Father because we chose the world, the flesh, or the devil over Him. I don't know about you, but my flesh has never done anything good for me. This world doesn't do things good for me. The devil certainly hasn't done anything good for me, but my Heavenly Father and my Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit of God, they've been nothing but good to me. Temptation, you want to win it? Do what thus saith the Lord God says. Paul's records in Romans 6 and verse 14. Sin shall not have dominion over you, know ye not, that to whom ye yield yourself servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. It's our choice. It's our choice. Don't discourage, don't, Depress our Heavenly Father. Choose Him. He's been good to us. Not the other side. James gives us great wisdom. 
Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We need to memorize scripture to help us for these times in our life. Paul, a seasoned veteran, talks to his son in the Lord, Timothy. And he said, Timothy, flee from these things. Youthful lust, the love of money, which the Bible says is the root of all evil. He says, flee from those things. What does that mean, flee? It means to run away from. Listen, if you had a past of of drugs, the last thing you want to do is be near anybody who's taken drugs. That's a temptation you should not put yourself in front of. You ought to be like what Paul said to Timothy and flee from those things, run away from those things. Listen, if you've been saved from a, a life of alcohol, don't go back to the bars. Whatever our temptation is, we need to stay a far away from that as we possibly can. Listen, we all have temptation. It's common to man. God will put a limit on how much you are tempted. And he'll make a way for you to escape. But the choice is, comes down to you. What are you going to do? God will always remain faithful. He's our stability. He is never changing. Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever. God does not, and His faithfulness does not depend on our actions. You ought to say amen right there. Because we've all messed up enough that God shouldn't even be faithful. But it didn't matter what happened. He's faithful to you and I. And God will continue to be faithful. That's our constant He's our stability. Listen, in our temptation, look for the way of escape. God has provided one for you. It's there. Find it. When you need forgiveness, listen, you got a God in heaven. Open his arms wide and says, I know what you've done. I know the filth that you have. Come, let me clean you up. Come, come. And if we come with repentance, you know what we find? A God willing to forgive. Just come with repentance to God and he will forgive you. And know that your most important times of your life, that Jesus promised never to leave you nor forsake you. I don't know about you, but when I had a need in my life, sometimes people just disappeared. Family, friends, workmates, they were gone. Do you know what I found? Jesus Christ never left me. He was there. Every time. Don't worry about God. He'll be faithful. But what we do need to do is our part. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Moreover. Think about that word. Moreover. Powerful word. Moreover. Moreover is it required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Listen, Jesus set the example. Now we need to do our part. And in the time and age in which we live, it's not a mistake. You were, you're living in the year 2021. God's plan, you're here. But God also knows you're going to have temptation. You're going to need help. And you're going to need the right decisions in your life. Jesus won every time by quoting scripture. By being obedient to the word of God. You know how you're going to win in your temptation? By quoting scripture and being obedient to the word of God. Nothing else is going to help you in those times. Nothing else could have helped Eve. But thus saith the Lord God. 
Lastly, just a quote. When faithfulness is most difficult, it is most necessary. When faithfulness is most difficult, it is most necessary. Grace Baptist Church, we need to be faithful. We don't know what's around the corner, but we know God is our stability and He doesn't change and we don't have to worry about that. But we don't know what the flesh is going to do. We don't know what the world is going to do. We don't know what the devil is going to do. But if we remain faithful and we stay in this book and we be obedient to it, we're going to win in these temptations. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. And we have seen in this past year more peculiar things than we've ever thought we'd see in our entire lives. We have no clue what's going to happen next in America or around the world. But one thing we know is you've never changed.